10 years, get this, 10,000 people have been baptized in Whatcom County. Did you hear that? That's like 5% of our population has been baptized. That's unusual, in case you didn't know. Um, 80 new churches have been planted in the last 10 years, TK Ferndale being one of them. Um, in the Hispanic community in Whatcom County, God's doing some crazy things. Um, 1,500 people just in the last six years in the Hispanic community have been baptized in Whatcom County. That is, that's 10%. That's 10% of the whole Hispanic population here in the county. That's nuts. Um, God is, is doing some awesome things. One of the other cool things that's happening is 2,000 hours of prayers happening each month with 40 churches committed to a once-a-month day of prayer. And I don't know what it does to you when you hear numbers like this, but a couple things happen to me. One, it stirs vision and faith and excitement. Go, okay, God, I want to see you do that. Another thing that happens in me is I get a little bit of FOMO, a little bit of fear of missing out. I'm like, God, I don't want to miss out all that you're doing all around us. And so, God, have your way here in our hearts, in, in our church here at CK Ferndale. Um, one of the things that we're doing this year is we're making – Prayer, uh, just a, a way bigger focus in the life of our church. There's the 2020 challenge. Um, if you want to be a part of this, it's 20 minutes of prayer, 20 minutes of Bible reading each day. Uh, easiest way to figure out how to do that, go to www.ctk2020challenge.com. <laughs> Make sure I did that right. Uh, it's been awesome doing that. But this week we're doing something else. We're going to be relaunching our day to pray. And uh, what this, how this works is very, very simple. There's 24 hours in the day. And so uh, the, the day to pray is 24 people committing to take one of those 24 hours in the day to pray and just to lift up um, our, our church, our city, our county. And, and so if you don't know what to pray, maybe you're going an hour of prayer. That sounds crazy. I've never prayed for more than two minutes. Um, at the back in the, the uh, lobby, we have these these prayer sheets that are put out by the Light of the World Prayer Center. Uh, it's, it's strategic prayers for Whatcom County. On the back side, there's ways that you can pray for your church. And so it just it, it makes it really simple for you. And so I would encourage you, right now we have seven people that have signed up, which means we need how many still? All you math? 17. That's 24 minus 7 equals 17. We need 17 people. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave this. This is the prayer sign-up sheet. Uh, I'm going to leave it right here at the front. And if you look at the sheet, maybe you look at here, you go, you go. okay, I really want to do 4 a.m., but it's already taken. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can put your name beside 4 a.m. If, if that's the time slot that you want. But the big thing is we need you to pray. We need you to pray. And if we're going to see God work and move in our church and in our city, we need to pray. And so I'm going to leave this right there at the front and make sure you sign up. And then on top of signing up, make sure you grab one of these in the lobby on the table out there because it's going to show you how to purposefully and strategically pray um, when you pray. One other thing that's happening um, this week is we're having an event to kind of go along with the day to pray called the Night of Worship and Prayer. It's happening Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And again, you need to be there at this. This is not just going to be another dull, boring prayer meeting. Okay? This is going to be a believing God for big things, a miracle believing prayer meeting. Yeah. And so I encourage you to be here. The more, the better. We are going to storm the gates of heaven and believe God for revival, awakening, for God to come and move in our city. And so come and be a part of this this week. 
But prayer matters. And when we pray, God hears, God works. And even when we don't see him working, he's still working when we pray. This last week, we uh, in, in the 2020 challenge, we're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This week, we switched over to, to the book of Luke. And uh, we read this story about a guy named Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And in this story, uh, this is elderly couple who believed in prayer. The Bible tells us that they had one particular request that they kept praying over and over again. They wanted to be parents. But for whatever reason, um, they couldn't have kids. In the first chapter of Luke, we read how they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old, the Bible says. But they didn't stop praying. And, and a few verses later, in, in the book of Luke chapter 1, um, an angel shows up to Zechariah, which terrifies him. And the angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Get these five next words. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. It was this crazy miracle. Elizabeth gets pregnant, has a baby. Prayer played a key role in this miracle. You see, God had been listening to this prayer all along. And even though Elizabeth and Zachariah didn't see anything happening, uh, when they prayed, God was working. God was working. He was getting things ready for this child to be born. He was rearranging things, setting the scene because this child they're going to have whose name was John, was going to be the guy to prepare the way for Jesus. Prayer matters. Did you hear me? Prayer matters. It makes a huge difference. And if you want to see God work in your marriage, pray. If you want to see salvation come to your family, pray. If you want to see God work in your life, prayer, pray. If you want to see God bring renewal and revival to this church, pray. If you want to see God move in our city, pray. Prayer is so important. Last week, we, we wrapped up this, this series that we were doing called Set Free. And it's a series all on freedom. God's setting us free. It's been so cool to hear how God worked in this. And next week, we're going to start a whole other series on uh, marriage and singleness and sex. It's going to be really good. And, uh, but in between, we're, we're going to kind of take a pause and take a breather today. And uh, be, as we continue to ramp up the prayer life of our church, I want to talk about something this morning that is very closely tied in with prayer. Something that is splashed all over the pages of Scripture. Something that we don't actually think about, I don't think a lot of the Western church would talk about. I've, I've never actually preached on it specifically. But we're going to go there this morning. I want to talk about miracles. And I don't know what, what you think of when you think of miracles. Uh, I'm sure different things come to everybody's minds. Yesterday was the 40th anniversary of a pretty big miracle. Everybody know what I'm talking about? The miracle on ice uh, 40 years ago, 1980. Uh, the U.S. Olympic hockey team uh, beat the Russians. It was this huge deal. Uh, they weren't supposed to win that game. Some call it the most iconic sporting event moment in history. But it's called the miracle on ice. Maybe for some, someone else. When you think of uh, miracles, maybe you think of something that you see on YouTube. If you're bored sometime, go on YouTube and Google miracles. It's you're gonna see some crazy stuff on there. There was this, I did this this last week. There's one video of this uh, this like skyscraper with this glass. You now skyscrapers have these glass windows all over the place. And and in Florida several years ago. There was one of these skyscrapers, and, it, and on the side of it appeared to be the Virgin Mary. I don't know why it's always the Virgin Mary. But, but there's this, 
image of her, and like 500,000 people flocked to this thing, and a shrine was set up until a couple of kids took a slingshot to it and broke the windows. Um, there's another video that looks like it's, it's, it's outside this hospital room, and there's this like this bright, bright light that they said was an angel, and it showed up, happened to show up the night before the person in the hospital room, their condition all of a sudden took a turn for the better. Um, crazy stuff like that. There's another video on there of this kid walking, some, walking down the road. You know, it's some country where there's cameras everywhere. And this kid is walking down the road with his mom when this vehicle, or on the side of the road, when this vehicle starts spinning out of control and completely rolls over top of the, the mom and the kid, and the kid just gets up and walks away. It's, it's crazy. So all this, this crazy stuff. Maybe that's what you think of. Maybe somebody else, you think of a, a miracle, and you think of some late-night preacher, slicked-back hair, saying, hey, send in your 25 bucks, and you'll get your miracle from God. Um, I don't know. Maybe for most of us, though, when we think of miracle, we think of the Bible. And, and one of the, the, the many things that we read about in Scripture when it comes to miracles. Biblically speaking, there are three words that uh, you're going to find in the Bible that refer specifically to miracles. First one is sign. Second one is wonder. The third one is power, the Greek word dunamis, um, which a lot of Bible translators translate to the word miracle. Signs, wonders, miracles. All of them pretty much the same thing. What is a miracle? Well, a miracle is any supernaturally caused event. Any supernaturally caused event. In other words, anytime that God shows up and does something, it's a miracle. When God takes a heart that is dead to sin, and he shows up and, and he takes that heart, he transforms it, he makes it a new creation, made alive with Christ, that's a miracle. When God heals somebody, it's a miracle. And this is kind of like a broad definition of what a miracle is. But there's also a narrow, narrow, narrower sense of, of what a miracle is. And a miracle is an unusual outward event caused by God. So broadly, any supernaturally caused event. More narrow, a miracle is an unusual outward event caused by God. It's out of the ordinary. It goes against what's natural in the world. And the Bible is filled, filled with stories of of that fit this narrow definition of a miracle. A burning bush doesn't burn up and become consumed. A sea of water gets parted down the middle. A donkey opens its mouth like in Shrek and starts talking to its owner. Um, water comes out of a rock to nourish a nation. A bunch of disrespectful teenagers, 42 to be exact, are mulled to death by two angry bears. Yep, that's in the Bible. Um, a whale swallows a man. Three dudes are thrown into a fiery furnace, and they walk out unscathed. And then there's all these miracles that, that Jesus performed. And, and you're reading the 2020 Challenge. They're everywhere, right? Just almost every single day we're reading about a miracle that Jesus did. He turns water into wine. He makes the stormy skies be still. He feeds 5,000 people with little more than a Happy Meal. He sets a man free who's been possessed by demons. He tells his disciples that their next paycheck is going to be waiting in the mouth of a fish. And they go, and sure enough, there's a coin in the mouth of this fish. And then he heals over and over and over again. He heals a leper. He heals a paralyzed man. He heals a, a person with a withered hand. He heals the deaf. 
He heals the blind. He heals this woman with the issue of blood. And then there's the greatest miracle, the sign of which you can actually still see to this day, just outside the city of Jerusalem sits an empty tomb. This miracle where Jesus yeah, raises himself from the dead. It's, it's crazy. He performs so many miracles that the Bible says this. It says, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And then the miracles, they don't, they don't stop with Jesus. They continue on with the early church. Pentecost, these little miniature balls of fire hovering over everybody's heads. They speak foreign languages without any Duolingo app, giving them less lessons. Um, a man who couldn't walk is healed. An earthquake causes a jail cell to open, setting the prisoners free. The apostle Paul gets bitten by a snake on the arm and nothing happens. A lady named Dorcas dies and is raised back to life again. Miracles are everywhere in the Bible. They're everywhere. Which raises the obvious question, well, where are the miracles today and are miracles even for today? Are they even for today? And, and what I've been praying as I've been preparing for this, this, this morning is that by the time we dismiss in about 25 minutes, you will believe that miracles are for today and you'll begin to pray prayers that are bold and that you're asking God to cause a supernatural event Amen. Jesus said this. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus wants us to pray big, faith-filled prayers. But so often, rather than pray these big, faith-filled prayers, we pray these small, safe prayers. And the reason that, that we don't believe that God wants to show up, the reason that we do that is because we don't believe that God wants to show up in a miraculous way. But he does. He does. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Um, I personally have seen miracles. And, and I know that God wants to do miracles because God is always interested in showing up and working in such a way that you and I don't get the credit. He gets the credit. Yeah. And when God shows up and works a miracle in somebody's life, guess what happens in that situation? People go, okay, that's pretty awesome, but that's, there's no way that could have happened through him or her, that had to be God. And when God gets the glory, it's, it, it's always the best. Yeah. Outside of the time that Jesus was on earth, the time in history where, where God did the most miracles was probably in the day of Moses. Um, as God is showing up, uh, if you've ever read the whole account of Moses in Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you just see that God is he's showing up. It just, it's almost like day after day after day after day. God is showing up in these miraculous ways. And in the story of, of Moses, we actually see a few of the reasons why, why miracles happen. The first one is this. Miracles happen to reveal the character of God. Not long after the Israelites had, had crossed the Red Sea, that crazy miracle where the waters are just, God uses the wind, the Bible says, to drive back the waters. And uh, not long after that, Moses, he climbs up to the top of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And while he's there, God speaks to him. And one of the things that God says has to do with miracles. He says this. He says, before all your people, I will do wonders or miracles never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among, and here's why he's going to do them, will see how awesome is the work I, the Lord, will do for you. 
And through all the miracles that God does, they see just how great and how mighty he is, and they start to understand his character. They know that God is, he, he is strong. They know that the Lord is God. They see his character revealed through all these miracles that he does. On this past uh, November, I got to see a bit of a miracle. Um, myself, our church council, um, you've been around the last couple months, you know, we've been talking a little bit about our financial struggles that we've been having. And uh, we had kind of this place where we were, we were just stuck. And uh, we did this giving campaign last year. We made budget cuts. Uh, we made some staff cuts. And yet, as a church, we are still hemorrhaging financially on a pretty uh, consistent basis. And, and nothing seemed to be making any difference. And we got together at one of our meetings, and we just decided, okay, we are going to, like, we're going to, we've been praying, but we're, like, we're going we're gonna to, like, up our prayer in this whole situation. And so, this last November, we started, myself and the three other guys at the council, we started this weekly prayer meeting on Monday mornings, now including the Saturday morning. But we started this weekly prayer meeting. And that very same week that we started, out of nowhere, this church received the largest financial gift that they've received all year. Like 11 months, we pray, and boom. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. And, and what, was, what was the reason for that? Well, there's, a, a, I believe, a few reasons for that, but one of them was God coming along and revealing his character. He wanted us to know, hey, I haven't abandoned you. Hey, I'm with you. Hey, you might have forgotten that I'm the God who provides. Just to remind you, hey, I'm going to work this little miracle here, and I want you to be reminded that, that I am the God who provides. God, God shows up all throughout history and, and works miracles so that people can, can get to know his character. Um, Christians, though, have made the mistake, actually, when it comes to miracles, of, of thinking that it's all about the miracle, that the point of the miracle is the miracle. But it's not. The reason for the miracle is the point to God. Um, if you wanted to take a trip to Disneyland, you actually wouldn't need a lot of directions other than, than hey, hop on the I-5 and head south. You're going to hit L.A. and just look for the signs. You're going to get to L.A. and what's going to happen, you're going to see signs. They're going to start directing you to Disneyland. But you would make a, a mistake if you got to the sign and you just camped out at the sign, because you're like, oh man, it says Disneyland on the sign. That's a beautiful sign. I love that sign. You just camped out there. The point of the sign is to point you to a pretty great place. Same thing when it comes to miracles in, in, in your life, in my life. The point of the miracle is, is to point you to God. There's signs that point to God. They reveal who he is. Secondly, miracles happen in order to validate a messenger or a message of God. There was this time in the whole story of Exodus and, and Moses. Moses is leading all these people out of, out of uh, Egypt and through the desert. And as he's leading them out, all of a sudden, uh, there's this, this faction starts to form. And they start to sow division. And they start to question Moses' leadership. And what does God do? He performs a miracle. Um, he actually causes this massive hole to open up in the ground and to swallow all these people up. And, and, and I don't think after that there was probably a whole lot of uprisings against Moses. But what God did is he validated his, his messenger, Moses. In the early days of the church, we see God is validating 
Um, the, the apostles, God is validating not just the, the messenger, but he's also validating the message. Um, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God testified to the gospel by what? By signs, wonders, and by various miracles. God works through miracles to, to provide proof that, that God is real and that the message it is true. Now, we live in a day and age where the way that we believe the church should grow, the way that we're going to reach more people is we got to build better programs, we got to have better preaching, we got to have we got to have better uh, worship, we got to have better this, better that, and if we do everything better, then we're going to reach more people. I want you to know that's actually not how it worked in in the Bible. How they did things in the Bible, and I believe in all that stuff. I believe in getting better as a preacher, better uh, improving all of our programs, and, and if we can offer programs that can reach our community, yeah, great, awesome. But in the Bible, we read about how the thing that actually caused the church to grow was God showed up, and God worked in these miraculous ways, a, a demonstration of his power, and people go, hmm, let's go see what's happening over there. And I don't know about you, but I would love for that to be the reality of this church here. Where God is moving in such crazy, miraculous ways that people go, okay, I want to find out a little bit about what's happening there. I was um, talking this last week with my brother. My brother's a pastor up in northern BC. And uh, he actually just got back from Zambia in Africa. And he was telling me a little bit about his experience over there and how they, um, in, in, in this part of Zambia where he was at, it's very very, uh, just not a whole lot, it's not modernized at all, it's, it's like mud huts, all that kind of stuff, and uh, they would have a service at like 7 or 8 o'clock, and my brother was talking with the guy that he was with and said, well, how are people going to know that there's a service at 7 o'clock, how are people going to know to show up, and the guy said, they just know, because what happens is God shows up in miraculous ways, in word, people start talking, okay, did you know that? God healed somebody, and, and, and they're going to be meeting, I guess, at 7 o'clock tomorrow night at this, this place. And they show up. My brother shows up at this meeting, and there's hundreds of people there. No promo, no posters around town, no social media saying, hey, show up at 7 o'clock. No, they hear that God is working in miraculous ways, and, and people just they, just, they just show up. And, and that's what... I would love to see God do here in our day and in our age. That God, it, Paul talks about how when he shows up at a church, he doesn't show up with with eloquent words. He doesn't show up with 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 just a well polished sermon. He talks about how he shows up with a demonstration of God's power. And when that happens, God works and God moves and miracles happen and lives are transformed. And then the last reason that miracles happen is miracles happen so that God's plans get accomplished. When the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, they begin to pray. They begin to cry out to God for freedom. And God, he hears their prayers and he wants them free, but there was a bit of a problem. The most powerful ruler on the planet uh, was had them shackled in chains and was basically saying, no, you're not going to be free. Moses, you want, to, want, your, want me to let your people go? Not a chance. They're the ones that are powering the Egyptian economy. There's no, there's no way they're going to let them go. And so what does God do? 
Well, he shows up. And he, he shows up in the most uh, miraculous ways. God steps on the scene and he says, Know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So God says, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egyptians with all the wonders, the miracles that I will perform among them. After that, he's going to let you go. No problem. I'll step on the scene anywhere. Because I got some plans. And when I want my plans, God says, to happen, they will happen. And, and he, he shows up and he proceeds to cause one supernatural event to happen after another. I mean, the land gets swarmed with frogs and, and, and locusts and rivers turn to blood. And, and Moses' staff turns to a snake and darkness in the sky in the middle of the day. And, and what ends up happening is God's people are set free and his plans are accomplished. So God, miracles happen for a few reasons. God wants to reveal his character. Um, God... God wants, he's got a plan that he wants to see accomplished. And the, the third reason is that he will, will work through a miracle to validate um, a messenger, to, to validate the gospel. Now, here's the question, though, that people often ask. If all these miracles happen in the Bible, and for all these really good reasons, why don't miracles happen as much today? Why don't they happen as much? Isn't it? kind of convenient, the, the, you know, the, the cynic or the skeptic is like, well, isn't it kind of convenient that all the miracles happened back like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago? Well, two responses to, to that. First is this. There were fewer miracles in the Bible than you probably think there were. Okay? There were fewer miracles than you think there were. Remember, the Bible is not written over a 10-year period. The Bible is actually written over thousands of years. Thousands of and what we're getting when we have our Bible is we're getting a snapshot. We're kind of like looking at the highlights of that 6,000-year uh, period. Did you know that even in the Bible, they ask the question, why are there so few miracles today? Remember the story of Gideon? Um, the nation of Israel is being oppressed by foreign nations and just all kinds of bad stuff going on. And Gideon, this, this guy, is, is hiding out because he's scared, he's afraid, but, the, the, but God wants to actually work through Gideon, raise up Gideon to be a leader in Israel, and so God comes along and, and begins to call Gideon out, and listen to what Gideon says, he says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders, his miracles, that our ancestors told us about, and they said that not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? He's going, where, where are they? Why am I not seeing miracles in my day and age? Interesting. Even in the Bible, they went through these seasons where miracles seemed to be few and far between. There were fewer miracles in the Bible than you probably think there were. The other response to the, the question of where are all the miracles today is this. There are more miracles happening today than you probably think there are. There are more happening than you even realize. Um, just this past week, I was talking with a good friend of mine who, if I was to mention the name, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. But this last winter, um, his wife was up skiing up at Mount Baker, and she got off the chairlift at Mount Baker, and skis got crossed up, fell down. It wasn't like a big fall, but she fell down, and her knee just got completely messed up. Ligaments torn, uh, all kinds, just, just a mess. And this past year has been just brutal for her. 
and she has she went in for surgery not long after it happened, kind of mend everything up, and uh, the surgery didn't take, so she went back, and and they were hoping that that would be the one that would cause everything to kind of come back together and heal up. Didn't happen. She's had three sur surgeries this last year, and and her knee though is is, is just as bad as ever. I mean, it's just been like constant chronic pain this last year because of because of this this ski accident in her knee. And this last week, though, two weeks ago, um, how many students in here rep carry the love? Any students? Anybody here carry the love? Yeah, some of you. Okay, awesome. A couple weeks ago, um, this event was happening here in our county called Carry the Love, and this uh, lady and her husband they went to see some students that they they have known over the years that were part of YWAM. And as they're walking into Carrie the Love, uh, she looked over at her, her husband and said, I don't know if I can go in because the pain in my knee is so, so strong. She actually said the pain in my knee is an 8 out of 10. Now, if you know this lady, you know, I mean, she's, she's a tough cookie. Big in that, I mean, she's just so active. And she's like, I don't know if I can go in, but they ended up going in. They ended up sitting in the very back of the auditorium. And while they were sitting there, the team at the front, uh, I guess they asked, hey, does anybody here need healing? And so she raised her hand up. And as she raised her hand up, I was talking to her husband this last week, and he just described the whole thing. She said she raised her hand up. All of a sudden, she just got flooded with, like, the presence of God, just for whatever reason, started to fall. And some of the team came back. They put their hands on her knee and prayed for her knee, and she was instantly healed. She said it was like, it felt like she was having some hot liquid just like poured on her knee. She ended up, if you were at Carrie the Love, uh, Carrie the Love you saw her, she came up on the stage and, and said this is what happened. Well, after Carrie the Love, she actually went to their doctor and sat there in the doctor's room and the doctor was doing all this poking and prodding on the knee, no pain. He does it again because he's like, this is crazy. And he's poking and he's prodding, no pain. The doctor ended up saying it's her knee is actually better today than it was before the accident happened. She has since, yeah, she has since, she's since gone for a jog on this, this leg. And it, it, if you know the whole story for this last year, you're like, okay, man, that, that's, that's, that's a miracle. That's, that's, that's amazing. Miracles, miracles happen. In fact, some of you here right now, you came this morning needing a miracle, and maybe as you drove in this morning, you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. I need a miracle. And just the fact that you're sitting here this morning listening to some dude talk about miracles is a miracle. Because you need God to show up in your life and you say, hey, I'm here to work. You know what was really interesting with the, the whole situation with Zachariah and Elizabeth? is that when they first get married, now the Bible doesn't go into details about it, but likely knowing that culture, they probably got married in their like later teens or maybe maybe sometime in their 20s. And when they first get, get married, um, they're praying this prayer, asking God to give them a child. And as they're praying, if, if they get pregnant there, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's not like this, this big miracle. Now, yes, I know that every life is a miracle. I get that. I understand that every, every moment of conception and birth is an absolute miracle. I've seen it happen five times. 
But it's not like every time somebody gets pregnant, people go, oh, wow. What God is, the Lord is God. I've never seen a miracle happen like that. No, they're like, okay, there must have been some long, dark nights, and they were busy doing <laughs> some acting. You know, you know how it happens, right? That's what I'm trying to say. People get pregnant. People get pregnant all the time, right? But is Zachary, stick with me, okay, because i got a point. As <laughs> Zachariah and Elizabeth are getting older, 20s, 30s, 40s, no baby, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and still no baby, all of a sudden that prayer for a child begins to move from the territory of everyday kind of prayer to like miracle territory. They're going, we need God. This, there's no way this is going to happen unless God shows up. They know that it's going to require God to show up in a supernatural way. But does Zachariah stop praying? No. He, he persists. He keeps asking. He keeps knocking. He keeps believing. And eventually, God goes from just hearing his prayer to answering his prayer. And all that's required of Zechariah is that he believe and that he ask. And it's the same with us today. God wants us to have enough faith to ask him for the, the impossible. It, this, this faith, this belief is a prerequisite for miracles to happen. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read, you know, all throughout the Gospel, the Gospels, Jesus is performing one miracle after another miracle. And then he shows up in his hometown. And the Bible says he, he didn't do a whole lot of miracles. And the reason why, the Bible says, it says he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Faith is real. Now, I'm not talking huge, massive, like world-shaking faith or whatever you think of when you think of the kind of faith that's required for miracles. No, the Bible actually says you just need faith the size of a mustard seed. Just the size of a mustard seed. That's, that's pretty small faith. And the Bible says if you have that kind of faith and you believe that God can do the miracle that you're asking Him to do, He will work and move. Now, just to be crystal clear this morning, having faith doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a miracle. It does not guarantee that you're going to get a miracle. In fact, many people, and I've seen this happen in, in all the decades that I've been in ministry, many people have actually been led astray into this, this false teaching around this. They think that if they can just muster up enough faith, then they'll get that miracle. They'll be healed. If they're not healed, they think, oh man, it's just because I don't have enough faith. So I just have to somehow muster up enough faith. And if I can have enough faith, then that miracle is going to happen. And what this kind of teaching does is it actually makes the source of, uh, it makes faith the source of the miracle. It makes faith the source. So in other words, it's like, you know, man, if I can have just, just enough faith, then I'll get that, that miracle. But faith in itself is never the source of the miracle. The source of the miracle is always a person, right? Yes. It's always Jesus. But you got to have faith. Faith doesn't guarantee a miracle. I mean, I've prayed countless prayers for miracles, and I haven't seen God answer them. Faith does not guarantee a miracle, but it is a prerequisite every single time. You have to ask and believe that all things 
are possible. Like we sang about this morning, you believe that God can do anything. It doesn't have to be big. This has to be the faith the size of a mustard seed. You believe that God is who he says that he is. He's saying yesterday, today, and forever. And that all things are possible. What is a miracle that you want God to do in your life? Just think about this for a second. What is a miracle that you want God to do in your life? Now, some of you, maybe you came in this morning and your marriage is dead. I mean, it's like it's on, it's on life support. And you know, man, it's, it's, it's not going to go in. It's going to take absolutely. Maybe others in this room, you have a son or a daughter, dad, mom, friend, somebody you know, you just, I, I, I would love for them to know Jesus and to put their faith and trust in Him. And, and, and that's your miracle. And maybe you've been asking for that miracle. And God's saying, keep asking, keep knocking. You know, others came in this morning gripped by depression, gripped by anxiety, and you've tried everything. You've seen the counselors. You've got all the techniques and tricks and all that kind of stuff, and nothing's changing, and you know it's going to take a miracle. Why not ask? Maybe somebody else in this room, you, you just have been struggling with pain and sickness, and, and, and it's, you know that for things to change, you've seen the doctors. You've got all the medications. You've done all that stuff, and you know for it to change, it's going to take a miracle. And my question for you this morning is why not ask? And I don't know what the situation is that you're in this morning. Maybe you're here and you go, man, I just want to see God move in my school. I want to see God work in my city. But you know, man, there's, there's some barriers. It's just not happening. It's going to take a miracle. I don't know what it is, but I want, I'm here this morning to tell you God's word is true. And God is a miracle-working God today. He hasn't changed. He is just as strong today as he was 2,000 years ago. He is just as alive today as he was back in the days of the Bible. He is just as much a God of the impossible today as he has always been. What is the miracle that you want? Ask. Why 